Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who hates everything about Timothy B. Schmidt. Go listen to our Fast Times at Ridgemont High soundtrack episode to hear all the vitriol that this man has for Mr. Schmidt. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Uh, Aloha, Mr. Montgomery. Uh, Also joining us is a singer-songwriter currently living in the Orlando area. She just released a fantastic record entitled Long Time Coming. And she and her band, The Lionhearts, are now gigging to promote that record. So please welcome to the podcast, Hannah Harbour. Hello. So we're excited to be visiting with you. We'll get to talk about your record. Uh, as well as talking about the record that you chose to revisit. So this is going to be fun. You introduced us to uh, a, a little deeper track, I think, of, uh, of your artist, but we'll get to that in just a sec. <laughs> we, uh, we, we always start the podcast with the all-important question. So Wayne, what t-shirt are you wearing tonight? You know, I was trying to decide. I, I remembered mentioning it in the uh Rock in the Suburbs uh, podcast, so I wore my Social Distortion Bail Bonds t-shirt. Very good. <laughs> Hannah, how about you? I am wearing a Vassar t-shirt. It is a Vassar Clements logo. Um, he was a gypsy jazz fiddle player that I used to see on the festival circuit when okay. I was a kid. Not at all Not at nice. all familiar with that. Excellent. I'll have to send you some goods. There there we go. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> all right. So I am, I am wearing my David Bowie t-shirt. Uh, Wayne, yes, always a good one. Wayne had posted an Instagram pic of him wearing this particular shirt. And because I talked about how much I loved it, my good friend bought me one as well. So now I'm getting around to wearing it. So thank you kindly, my friend. Oh, you are welcome. And I, and I almost wore my Hannah Harbor and the Lionheart shirt tonight, <laughs> but I, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be, be the guy who wore wore the shirt of the band that I'm podcasting about. So that seemed a little, little fanboy to me, I guess. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, but you made your choice. It's okay. <laughs> I almost wore I almost wore my Thomas Wynn and the Believer shirt as well. Right. So again, there, you, there's some ties there. Uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, as, as, <laughs> as we go through this. So, yeah. All right. So what was the record that you chose to revisit with us? I chose Patty Griffin's Silver Bell record. Okay. And I'm assuming that you consider Patty an influence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've made the joke before that like, if we ever ended up in the same room, I think she's the one person that like, I couldn't keep my cool with, you know, <laughs> like so, you can put, you can put on the front of like, Oh, it's, it's awesome. That's so-and-so, but I'm pretty sure if it was Patty, I'd have like a giggle fit. Yes. Would you, would you do the, I'm not worthy type of thing? <laughs> I mean, probably not. <laughs> I know she's human and I'm human, but I would yeah. most definitely tell her that she changed my life in no small amount of words. <laughs> So, so who who else are, are do you consider as influences on your music besides Patty? That's a great question. Um, I really great writers in general. So not even just songwriters, but um, I'm very into um, some nonfiction writers, um, spiritualism type writers. Um, but as far as music goes, um, I really love Tedeschi Trucks Band. I'm a massive Tom Petty fan. My mom and dad listened to a lot of singer-songwriter records growing up in the house, so it was a lot of James Taylor and Carole King. Um, But my dad's also a bass player, and he played in like a rock and roll cover band. And so there was a lot of Rolling Stones coming through the speakers. Um, 
you know, Skinner type stuff. Okay. Um, so my, I feel like my likes are across the board, but whenever anybody asks me like who my influence is for sure, it's Patty, John Prine, you know, people, people like that. Okay. We actually just did an episode talking about John Prine's. Yep, we're, yeah, absolutely. Back to back. Well, then there you go. See? Synchronicity. <laughs> absolutely. All right. So enough about other artists. Let's chat about your first album that was released. Okay. What, uh, was it a few weeks ago, a month ago? It's been a little over a month. Actually, I think we just might have hit two months because, yeah, uh, March 9th would have been two months. I had a chance to attend the album release party. That was a good time. I appreciate that. Yeah. How are things going with the album? Uh, They're going well. Um, You know, we have been a band for a few years, but hadn't put anything out with um, this stamp of our songs. Um, And so it was obviously exciting just to get it out into the world. But the fact that anybody's wanting to connect with it and wanting to hear us play it live is especially awesome. We've uh, we just did a festival in Tampa and that went really well. And we have a few things coming up this spring and summer uh, to play it out live. And so it's, it's really going well. If it had never released, I would have been just as happy to make it. But the fact that it's out there now is exciting. So you were on the Gasparilla music festival. We were. That was mm-hmm. cool. Did you get a chance yeah. to see any of the other acts that were there? We did. The day that we played, um, after our set, we were able to catch Lucas Nelson, uh, the infamous string dusters and Gary Clark jr. And all three of those sets were just phenomenal. Yeah. The, the night before we played, the Avett brothers were headlining and we got there in time to see them because uh, in college and actually high school, they were a, a band that I followed around. Um, you know, I drive from Florida to North Carolina to see them play. So to see them in Tampa was really awesome. After about 10 years, I probably hadn't seen them in that long. So. Okay. Uh, and a number of the members of the Lionhearts, they're also members of Thomas Wynn and the Believers. That includes your, your other half, Thomas Wynn. <laughs> So, yes. so how, how does everyone juggle doing double duty? I know, you know, the, the believers, I think they're planning on getting some, some dates under the, under their belts as well. Yes. So, um, essentially Colin, my keys player is also the believers keys player. And Thomas, my husband, uh, does some background vocals and lead guitar stuff for the Lionhearts. And that balance is one that we're all aware of and sure of when we're able to do both, they can do both. Um, but once the believers get a little bit busier, um, I will probably have to hire in some replacements for them. Um, but for the time being, we've been able to make them available for both. And that's been really great. And, and you also do double duty because you're a mom of a young one as well, correct? Yes, he's three. And he's wonderful and he's so much fun. But yeah, it is certainly, um, you know, a a way of life that we think is doable and we will continue to try to make possible um, because we we see this as our future. And it does mean that, uh, you know, when we're on the road, he's with us. Um, And so that's just a different pace of touring and lifestyle. Uh, But one that kind of provides some longevity for us as a family. That's cool. So let's let's yeah. chat about uh, let's chat about some of the the songs on the album. So, okay. so slow leak, really mm-hmm. really good live. It's great on the record as well, but seeing it live was just spectacular. And besides your vocals, of course, the the organ and the keys definitely prominent. And you said the yes. keyboardist name is Colin. His name is Colin Fi. Okay, I am mm-hmm. I am jealous of his hair. He does have fabulous hair. And actually he's, he's, he's had some, uh, 
different incarnations of that hair since we've been to Lionhearts, and it's always good. <laughs> yeah, some something that Wayne and I are not too familiar with anymore because we're, you know. <laughs> I gave up my comb a long time ago. Happens to the happens to the best of you. Anything in particular that Sorry Darling was written about? Sometimes I think it's a, <laughs> hey, I want to get back together at us uh, type of song. But other times I think it's a, hey, guess what? You're missing out, buddy. Type of song. <laughs> so which one is it? Is it both? Yeah, I think it has to be both. Um, that's one of the songs that I started writing it and I realized that I felt like I was onto something, but it just wasn't the reality that I was living in, but I still knew there's some truth to it. Um, and I, you can put yourself back into a headspace of when you did feel that way, almost like this tongue in cheek, middle finger in the air, kind of, you know, I'm hurting over you or I miss something, even if it's not that you miss a person, but you miss something about that time in your life. And then you realize like, wait a minute, I don't actually miss this. I'm just drinking, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess it's both but I didn't have any one particular person place or thing in mind when I wrote it. So it's a drunk dial song. It's totally a drunk dial song, okay, but okay. you know, it's yeah, it's Yeah. I think you could just leave it at that, but it can be, you know, all things for all people. That's the thing about being a songwriter. Sometimes you got to let it go and like, cool, that's what you thought that meant. Then awesome. But that's yeah. kind of how I wrote it. Well, I'm sorry, darling. I couldn't resist calling you up. Just to reminisce I convinced myself It's you that I miss So I'm sorry darling I couldn't resist I don't miss a thing I've just been drinking I'm in the mood for reckless And wishful thinking Let's talk about my favorite song in the record. So the title track, really great and live. Oh my gosh, you guys killed it. You guys <laughs> killed you. you guys killed that song. And I know it's only March. Uh, Wayne, spoiler alert, I think this song is going to probably make my most listened to songs of uh, 2019 edition. Woo-hoo! So give you, yeah, give, nice. giving you fair warning. Um, and, and this song definitely feels like it's the most personal of all your songs. Yeah. Um, and I and I think you you kind of alluded to that during during the the album release party that it is pretty autobiographical because it was a long time coming for you to to release yeah. the the album. Absolutely, um, and I, honestly, I wrote this song probably in, in in as far as the order chronologically of songs when written for this album. Uh, I it was probably the second or third song written, and I didn't 
in, I wasn't intending to write an album. I guess I didn't know I was writing an album as these songs started to kind of come together. Um, but I do think that it is, if somebody was only going to listen to one song, they could understand either me or our sound just from that one track. I wrote it in pieces. Uh, the chorus came first. And um, I grew up in a small town in North Florida in a pretty conservative environment. Um, and so some of that draw from scripture of this is what was always said to me in my, you know, neighborhood or whatever. Um, but this is what this can mean for me now. And I can take the truth out of these things, but not have to hold on to some literal interpretation of it forever in order for the truth of these things to come true in my life, um, which was kind of where that chorus line of it's always been true came from. Um, but I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head that it probably feels the most autobiographical without having too many details, really. Yeah. Um, but the the intent is certainly where my heart was when I wrote it. Yeah, I was just going to say there... It- Part, part of my notes is, you know, there's some religious imagery going on here, reference mm-hmm. to the Beatitudes, reference to, you know, Jesus on the cross and what he said there. And, mm-hmm. and so, so gospel music, I'm assuming was part of, part of your upbringing. Absolutely. I actually, um, kind of my musical start, um, was in musical theater. And then, um, I transitioned to being in the youth choir at church, um, and started playing guitar. And so then I started leading worship at church when I was about 15 and kept that up all through college. And um, I'm really grateful to have cut my teeth that way because you end up around some really great players and really great singers. Um, And so I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. And the guitar solo in that is fantastic. Remind me (laughs) who your guitarist is again. I dubbed him the bearded wonder, but I (laughs) I don't remember what his name is. Yeah, his name is Brian Charterkoff. Um, and Thomas actually played some guitars on the whole record, too. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's, ec- yeah, Brian's excellent. We had a lot of fun in the studio together. I bet. So, do, do you still feel like the long refrain in the song of uh, Bless Me Because I Know Not What I Do? I, I think seeing you live, I think you have a good idea what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think some of when I was writing that song, especially it was, um, I don't want to say anything like a, you know, coming of age, like a maturation point or whatever, but I did feel like for the first time I was making some choices about what spirituality and religiosity meant for me in my life, um, without carrying around some religious guilt or shame anymore. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where that line came from because, you know, you've heard that spoken a lot of times if you have a religious upbringing, um, kind of this dissociated humans don't know what they're doing sort of thing. And especially that that line was spoken in the way that it was in scripture. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel comfortable inside of my own skin and in my spirit and making this music. So that's what I mean by it doesn't have to necessarily be literal in its autobiographical nature, but we've all had those feelings, I think. Yeah.
anything else on your album or other projects that I've completely missed that you would want to talk about? Here, here's your opportunity to, to promote your work. <laughs> this is your chance. Um, well, I hope that anybody who hasn't heard it will listen to it. Uh, and if you don't want to listen to it, just come to a show. We'll sing it for you. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, we're looking to keep keep up the output, I guess, is the right way to say it. I'm already trying to write some songs for the next one. So Good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's jump into the record that you chose to revisit. So this is this is the 2012 release from Patty Griffin entitled Silver Bell. And I kind of hesitate to say that it's a 2012 release because it was actually <laughs> it was actually recorded years prior to the release. Uh, 2000. Right. Yeah. I mean, at least a decade. I don't remember exactly how long, but. So who who has the story behind all of that? Wayne, you, you, you read, you read some info. On I mean, this, I could, right? I, yeah. However you guys want to do it. I only know little bits. I don't know the whole history. I, I can only imagine that like we've heard other artists, Carrie and Michael say that I don't think of late. I, cause the idea that it wasn't good enough is I find, I challenge any human to say <laughs> that. So it was, it had to be that they, I mean, I can see it being hard to market. What radio station is going to play this? How do we how do we do this? Some of it sounds country, some of it sounds nineties, angry, yeah. you know, alternative. It's it's all over the it, I mean it's all it's all it's all amazing, but it's all over this place. I could see it being hard to promote, not knowing how to do it is the only thing that I can yeah, even imagine. Yeah, but you know, even in two thousand, it wasn't like there was a ton of stations out there that played Americana music. I mean, there, there definitely isn't one here in Orlando. I mean, we have, we have uh, Sunday morning coming down on real radio on Sunday morning for a couple hours, but there really isn't anything else that would play an album like Patty Griffin. Yeah. I think also, I think there was some label stuff in why it got caught up. Um, but I did hear her say, I saw her live uh, just this last year. And she made mention of this record from the stage, and she said uh, something along the lines of, I thought we could be a rock and roll band, but apparently they didn't want us to. Uh, and um, so, because she had made um, some records around this same time that started to get kind of heavy sonically, uh, but still didn't touch the really heavy fuzz and, you know, some of the dark imagery of this record. So I have a feeling that it was made somebody said, uh, no, thanks. And then she had to put something else out to be, to continue an album cycle. But like I said, I don't know the exact story, but did the label not listen to flaming red? I mean, my introduction to Patty was one big love. That's not exactly an Americana type song. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a pop song. Well, and I don't even know if the term Americana had really even made its mark then, you know, um, I think at the time it still would have just been been considered AAA radio, so it would have been on with you know Cheryl Crow and right people like that. Um, which I hear some of that in this record. So even then, it's like, well, why didn't oh you a- know, absolutely yeah. pick out some singles and just put that part out? There had to be some sort of political something behind the scenes with this record. But I'm so glad that it finally saw the light of day. Yeah, absolutely. Out of all of her catalog, why why this one? Because because she's got what. 10, 12 records under her belt. Yeah, she's, she's got, uh, if I wasn't going to pick this record, my other direction for her is uh, the Living With Ghosts record, which she made, it's just her and an acoustic guitar the whole time, which, you know, it was just, I guess, on the other end of the spectrum. But this one, 
I don't know if it's because I knew that she had a record that never got released and I was so hungry for it for so long. Um, but I feel like this captures such a wide range of what she's capable of as a songwriter and as a vocalist and a guitar player. Um, it's just a really brave record in my opinion. And not that her other records aren't, it just, it really does run the gamut sonically. Um, so I think it's a good wide net. Yeah, my my first my first note that I wrote after I listened to the whole album the first time was schizophrenic. <laughs> because it is it is all over the place. And yeah. nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't like to listen to records that where every song sounds very much the same. Uh-huh. And, and so even though I said schizophrenic, it's not like that's a really bad term uh for 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 records that is. So so uh, I'm going to say this one more time again, um, Wayne, and you can probably agree with me that our guests are way smarter than us when it comes to picking, <laughs> picking, picking, uh, picking records. We just had Michael MacArthur on. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, with, he's great. With, yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, we had a really good visit with him um, about John Prine, uh, his most recent, recent awesome. album. Um, and I can't speak for Wayne, but I fell in love with most of that record and I know yeah. I'm going to be real. Re- oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so thanks to this pick, I think there's a few tunes on this record that will absolutely be played again down the road as well. So let's jump into it. So, okay. um, as we do for episodes like this, we're going to listen to the record. We'll rank the songs off the album. So each ranking is assigned points based on the number of songs on the album, we have 14 songs on this record. So, Wayne, how many points is your favorite song on the record going to receive? 14. <laughs> all right. I don't, that was that was not a trick question. Um, all right. So let's let's jump into it. Here's uh, here's first song. This is Little God. started with this all right so i love this tune uh the one line in there that she repeats a few times the where oh where did i leave myself today um i think this song holds this really cool uh sort of cyclical imagery of the kind of mountains that we make out of molehills almost in our life or the other side of things where things that should matter more but we only assign them to these little things and that's what she's captured so well here by calling it little god um i also love the lyric uh where the strippers think you're odd but you leave the biggest tips um that one (laughs) i wrote that down too that was my favorite yeah it just it gets me every single time so i think this is like a lot of her songs you could really analyze so much of the small stories that are inside the big story 
but ultimately, I just love the way she's taken and worded almost this idolatry of God uh, in this track. Yeah, and um, there will be there will be at least a couple so- songs that I overanalyze. Wayne, always, <laughs> uh, Wayne, always, I like that. Wayne always makes fun of me because of my overanalysis. So <laughs> buckle up, it's going to happen. We'll again. be friends. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so so Wayne, uh, what what about this song? Uh, you know, this is the one track that I listened to that um, initially not super fond of, but as it as the more times I listened to it, the more I liked it. And I can say I thought it. it I agree. It has uh, great lyrics that they don't beat you over the head. They're they're kind of there's kind of an ambiguity to them. You could make a lot of things out of these, um, but it just. Uh, it, it starts out with that with a bagpipe, and there's a there's yeah, bagpipes back yeah. in there, and then she then it almost sounds like a sitar, uh-huh. which that's ooh that's not that's a bold choice, and it works uh, perfectly. It, it's kind of funny um, when when you gave me your choice, I immediately went out and 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 listened to it um, later that day, and I had just finished listening to the Elizabeth Town soundtrack. She's got a very prominent song on that soundtrack long ride home which is one of her mm-hmm. one of her her uh most widely known songs the the first song comes on and it's little god and i'm like this doesn't sound like patty <laughs> but uh but it, it i i think uh like like with wayne it did grow on me it's kind of middle of the pack for me as far as the score goes but um you know, you even mentioned to me today, you're like, this is really hard to score some of these albums that, that I really like. <laughs> uh huh. So you feel our pain. I do. Yeah. I think my answers would change too, like maybe even next week. It's so, it's so funny about music like that, but. Yeah. The more I, I have, I have more crossed out numbers on my notes than I've ever had before. <laughs> I mean, I, I completely, like I said, when I, he told me what your choice was and I, so I just, and I, I'm sure it'll turn on if I say it, but I said, Alexa, play Silver Bell by Patty Griffin. And it played the opening track. Not, and I was like, whoa. I, stop. Yeah, there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, stop. <laughs> oh, and so it came out right. Uh, and I thought, whoa, this is like, this is like punk rock. This is mm-hmm. like, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to like this. And I, I did, but um, not, it was, like I say, it has so many different sides and she was trying doing so many different things. I can see a label. I can't imagine them, not, someone not liking it, but I can see it being hard to try to find out what to do with it. Cause those guys, like have we been told by a number of artists, they just know how to do one, one thing, maybe two. And this would have taken some uh, effort. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So Wayne, what, uh, what score are you giving little God? I gave it an eight. Okay. Hannah. It got a 12 in my book. So I I gave it a seven. So so that leads us to the second song, which is Truth Number Two. Bed 
Yeah, so truth number two, if you're a Dixie Chicks fan at all, they put this song out. They actually have recorded a few of her songs uh, over the years, or I guess years past. Um, and their version of this song was the first one I'd ever heard. Uh, and I remember at the time thinking how interesting some of these lyrics were for a country record, uh, especially a mainstream country record. Uh, so then hearing Patty's version and then hearing Emmylou Harris providing some background vocals. Um, I just, I really love this song. Um, and the line that always got me when I was younger was the water from my hips. Like, what does that mean? You know? And I remember having a conversation with my dad cause he's a songwriter and I was like, dad, I love this song, but there's just some lines in here that they just don't make any sense. And he was like, they don't have to make sense. Oh, okay. Thank you, I think. Check out Bob Dylan. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that kind of went on this, like, whatever tangent in her brain, whatever she saw in that moment, that made sense when she wrote it. And so just let it be that. But yeah, the Dixie Chicks, by way of the Dixie Chicks, this song came to me first. Yeah. When I heard this song, I'm like, I swear I've heard this song before, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've heard this version so sure enough by the the power of google you can see oh yeah it was, <laughs> it was a dixie chick song so yeah and i i listened to it i'd never heard it before and i'd never heard the dixie chicks version but when i heard this song i was like this sounds exactly like a dixie chick song like <laughs> almost like she should have like she wrote it for him it has you can it definitely has a Dixie Chicks feel to it. It's got that cross. It's kind of crosses over from that classic country with that down, down, up. You know, this sounds right. almost like something Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton might have done before she crossed over in the seventies. All right, let's uh, let's get some scoring. So, Hannah, I gave it a seven. Uh, Wayne, I gave it a twelve. I I really liked it. And like I say, it's super simple, just an acoustic guitar and a snare drum. It sounds like, and uh, I I really like this song. Gave it a twelve. Yeah, I also gave it a twelve. So, so Hannah, a little little different score than than uh, the two of us. So, did it, did it lose a little something because it was a Dixie Chick song? Um, I think maybe it lost. It did, n- none of her songs lose anything for me. I guess I should say that. But uh, yeah, in yeah. the grand scheme of things, it wasn't brand new to me. And there are so many other songs on here that kind of smacked me in the face in a good way. You know. Okay. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. Here is the third song. This is Boston. Get us started on Boston. Uh, this one has definitely has that '90s alternative, uh, you know, kind of the Lilith Fair, you know, Cheryl yeah. Crow, Poe. Um, great, strong drumming, and uh, 
I, I just, but there was so much tambourine. It actually reminded me of that Saturday night live skip where I figured, <laughs> uh, Christopher Walken was going to say, I got a prescription and what I need is more tambourine. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do the Susan day joke again. No, yeah, I, I'm not going to double oh, up like okay. that. I'm trying all to right. write original material. Okay, there. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is a nice little rocker and Patty is from Maine. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming there's a story somewhere in here. Anyone have a story or bio info on this song? Anybody do more research than maybe I did? No, I don't know any direct storyline. Okay. I know Bo- Boston's the next biggest town. So I'm sure that's where you had to go to kind of make it as a fledgling artist. No one, no one's going to come to Crab Apple Cove, Maine or wherever to hear you play. <laughs> Got to go to the big city. Right. That, yeah, and the song starts out all bubbly and sweet at the beginning, and then the full band jumps in, kind of slams it in your face. I wonder if that is some imagery of how she kind of felt trying to make it um, in Boston as that singer-songwriter. Because to, to your point, Wayne, she, that's where she got her start. I mean, that's where she got noticed was being in Boston and you know gigging. Because, again, to your point, where are you going to gig in Maine? Um, so I'm just, I'm just curious if that, if that was a, a conscious choice to, to, to kind of start it out like that, where it's, uh, kind of telling the story through the use of music. But again, that, that's probably my over analysis. That's over analysis. Number one, you're welcome. <laughs> we'll take it. All right. Um, all right. So let's, let's go through scores. So uh, Wayne. A nine. And Hannah. This one's a two for me. Okay. Didn't didn't like the in your face? It's really, like I said, I don't think there's anything I don't like, but as far as strength of other songs on the album, this one's kind of a filler for me. Gotcha. All right. So I give it a six. So um, let's move on to Perfect White Girls. Sunshine on the shiny ocean. Sunshine on the shiny Hannah, um, since I know your score, yes, <laughs> I'll let you get started with this particular song. Okay, um, this song is a production value song for me. Um, I think the title is obviously a hook, but um, the the instrumentation and the way this song moves is really what uh, catapulted the score for me. Um, also there's a lot of repetitive nature in the lyric of this song. Um, but hearing Patty talk about her childhood and hearing any other songs of hers, if you'd heard none of her catalog and never heard her speak about any of her life, I feel like you could hear this song and hear sort of the angst and the, um, not just angst, but like the, the realization of some kind of hard fought parts of her childhood. Um, and so that's one reason why I just really love this song. It gets the point across without having to tell too much of an actual story. 
Uh, and I, like I said, I really love the production value. Anyone else get the feeling that towards the end, her last couple na- la la la's kind of sound more like na na na, like in your <laughs> face, kind of kind of a mocking tone? Yeah, could be. Make, making fun of some perfect white girls? Yeah. <laughs> and and h- how good is Doug Lancio's guitar work in this one? Oh man, the whole yeah this uh, this album there is some stellar guitar tone and note choice. <laughs> and and Doug is usually he's usually more reserved on most most of Patty Griffin albums. I saw Doug a few years ago. He was playing with John Hyatt, and let me just tell you, he is the kind of guitarist that I think most lead singers want to play with because. Yeah. They're not looking for the spotlight, kind of, kind of like your guy Brian. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I don't think he wants the spotlight. He wants to just stay in the back and shred a little bit, and that's that's totally Doug. Yeah, so. I'm pretty sure. If I'm thinking correctly of the right guy, is he still touring with her? Yes. Okay, I was gonna say because when I saw her live, it was just her and a guitar player. But I thought it was him, but uh, his hair is obviously much different now. Um, than like photos you'd see of them together. But the, the chemistry and his multi-instrumental kind of, you know, he's kind of a jack of all trades in that regard, but his onstage accompaniment with her too was just phenomenal. I saw him play feels like rain with John Hyatt. That was one of the best live performances I've ever seen. Yeah. There was just some stuff that he was doing with that guitar that made it, sound as though it was raindrops and it was just oh. am- amazing wow so, yeah so i'm a i'm a big doug lancio fan just because of that all right let's get some scores uh so hannah it's a 10 for me 10 all right wayne uh six i mean it had this funky little kind of groove that i liked but the it had some distortion in the beginning that i that turned me off but i also i didn't connect with it like like hannah okay I feel bad. No, you don't. You know, that's the thing about this. It's all <laughs> subjective. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, did I give you my score? Um, no, oh. I did not. All right. So I gave it an eight. All right. Moving on. Here is Sooner or Later. This is the fifth song on the album. And I'll get started because I really like this song. Um, my score is going to be a little bit higher than your guys's. Um, really cool, chill song. And she even mentions the word chill in the song, a few different verses. There's just some stuff that she does with the lyrics that when she says, you don't feel anything, no sorrow, no danger, no thrills. Um, I dig it. Um, I don't know. It it This is one of the... One of the few there's a there's a few songs on here that really remind me of Amy Mann um, solo stuff. And so this look, I I love Amy Mann. So she's going to get if you're going to try and sound like Amy Mann, you're probably going to get a high score from me. (laughs) Um, So 
what, what do you guys have to say about sooner or later? Cause I, I definitely liked it more than you guys did. Well, I, this was the one that reminded me most of like Sheryl Crow globe sessions like that okay. husky breathy. Uh, and it's got a really dark, cool, you know, groove that I, uh, but this is the one that actually fell over time just cause I, the more I listened to other things, the more this, this one got pushed down, but this one, I guess to me, it had no rise and fall. It was just like you said, chill. And I, I guess I wasn't looking for that. Cause that that's one of the things I wrote in my notes is it doesn't, doesn't kind of, it doesn't have any peaks or valleys. It just kind of stays pretty even right across the top. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I actually, even just looking at my notes again, kind of this song is one that at certain times probably would have gotten a higher score for me because I think that sort of thing that she's alluding to about you're kind of feeling apathetic almost, but mostly because you're anxious. Um, so like you don't feel anything because if you felt anything, it would be too much. Uh, that whole thing. I mean, there are seasons of my life where that's definitely been real. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know on the last listen through over the last week or so it, it, it got what it got for me. <laughs> okay. All right. So what was your score? My score is a five. And Wayne? I gave it a four. I actually hit, I'm looking at my notes. I had it as high as 11 at one time, but this is one that, that as I listened to the rest of the album, it got pushed okay. down to a okay. four. And I am at 11 with this. So wide, uh, wide expanse of uh, experiences with this song. It sounds like. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, next song is What You Are. This is number six on the album. want to talk about what you are because i i will just here i'm just going to throw this out there my least favorite song on the record there you go yeah i mean i, I scored it a three so yeah i did too i don't dislike it yeah it, this had a this reminded me of like those 70s so you know soft rock like judy collins Joni mitchell Anne murray and i'm not like a big fan of any of those so uh it 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 just plotted along and it never, it never did anything for me. Yeah. And my, my notes on here as well. So I was looking at songwriting songwriter credits. So she wrote this with a Craig Ross. I don't, I didn't do any research, but my note after that was this is the only song that there's co-writing credits. So mm-hmm. write yourself next time. <laughs> so uh. You got it on your own, girl. Yeah, just just do it on your own. You don't need any help. Um, all right, so I already told you my score. Wayne, what's your score on this? A three. And then Hannah? Three as well. All right. This is probably going to be our lowest lowest score of, uh, of the record. So, all right, let's move on. Um, so I'm going to let... I'm going to let Wayne gush all over oh. Silver Bell. So here we go. Here's, <laughs> here's Silver Here's Silver Bell. Silver Bell. 
I I love everything about this song. I mean, like I say, I described. I don't want. I don't want Alexa to come on again. But I <laughs> I loved I loved this song from the minute that I heard it. I mean, those drums are like machine guns at a drive-by. It's just like, and it's, it's like, it was almost punk rock. I mean, this was very like, uh, I mean, there's angry, but not, but clever. And it's even in the, in the lyrics, it's hard to, you know, who's cheating on who, who's, you know, where we're all meeting at the silver bell. It's, it's just, I, I, this song I've continued, I've listened to several times, even since I, I've stopped listening to the record for the podcast. I, this is one of my favorite songs of the year that I've discovered so far. That's awesome. Do you think, do you think the name of the record was, was originally called Silver Bell or did you think that she ended up calling it because she knew that this song in particular would piss off the label who is looking for <laughs> another coffee house singer record? Uh, I would not put it past her to do that. I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely the kind of song you can you can hang a record around. I mean, it's it's strong. Yeah, it's a good song. Hannah, have you ever thought about covering this song with the full band? Actually, we have. We've done it. You have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when the when the Lionhearts first became a band, uh, we had a different lineup than uh, some of the some of the same guys, different drummer mostly. Uh, didn't have a second guitar player, and we'd cover this song. And man, it is rowdy. I mean, rowdy live. Um, and even vocally, you know, it's a song that you sing along to, but then as soon as you try to do it, like to lead it, and then you realize, like, okay, Patty, like there, there's some right. meat on those bones. Uh, it's just really great. Yeah. All right. When was the last time you guys played that live? Probably like at some cover gig, probably two okay. years ago. Well, resurrect that. We'll dust it. We'll dust it off again at some point. Don't you right. worry. Make make sure you message me and let me know when you're going to play it. I'll, 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 I'll Deal. be there. I'll be Deal. there. Yeah, <laughs> great. All right. Let's get some scores. So Wayne, I already know what yours is because you're gushed all over it. Yeah. <laughs> 14. 14. All right. Hannah. 11. All right. And I'm giving it a 13. So yeah, we're, we're all, we're all pretty much in agreement that this is one yes, of the, we are. one of the better songs on this record. So good, good stuff. All right. Next song is fragile. This is number eight on the record. Who wants to get us started on fragile, or as they say in a Christmas story for Gile? <laughs> uh, I'll go. I think um, this song 
is kind of similar to sooner or later for me and where it sits now in my ranking. Uh, but there have been times when it's sort of been on repeat as I make a long drive. Um, I think that what she gets at with the lyrics here is really soft, um, kind of tragic, but it's surrender essentially. Um, and so I appreciate that a lot, but just on this last listen through, it didn't, it didn't quite get me in the feels as it has in, in the past. Okay. I do love the lyrics on this one. Uh, and I, yeah. I kind of feel bad about my score as well. Uh, I think it was just the music little, little too redundant for me compared to some of the other songs on this record. So um, that's why it didn't garner a higher score from me. Um, it does kind of have that refrain from the cross, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't know why I do the things that I do. So yeah. she's kind of turning that inward uh, on herself. Um, so a little, little different from you, uh, you singing about that on long time coming, but um, yeah. All right, Wayne, anything on, on fragile? No, I completely agree with you. The lyrically, I really liked it. I have three daughters. And so um, the lyrics, you know, just really connected with me, but the music, like you say, it, it's along the lines of sooner or later. It doesn't, it doesn't have any, it's just kind of right along just kind of a flat line. It doesn't, it doesn't get big and come, you know, come down again. So, but I lyrically, I really liked it. All right. Let's get some scores. Um, I'm giving this a four Wayne. A five and Hannah. And it's a six for me. All right. So we're all pretty middle of the road. All right. This is the next song. So this is mother of God. I swear sometimes I'd see her lips move Like she was trying to say something to me When I was 18 I moved to Florida Like everyone sick of the cold does And I waited on old people waiting to die Well I waited on them until I was Something is simple All right, so someone explained this song to me before I overanalyze it. <laughs> I'm gonna... It's tough because, I mean, it, yeah, it's so much imagery. Yeah, there's so much Im- imagery in it. And it's like I felt the same way. And But the more I listened to it, the more I, I liked it and the more I could just see life's journey, you know. And, and the loss of innocence is key with the uh, – uh, when it's talking about boys and girls. Yeah. And like I say, I don't know if it's dealing with, I mean, mental illness, probably it sounds like the mother or even, and I can't tell if it's the mother or the grandmother is obviously struggling with depression. Um, so there was, there was just like this whole life's journey and all these different really vivid images that were created. This is, this one is one, another one of the ones that rose. The more times I heard it, the more I really liked it and look forward to hearing it again. I had the exact yeah. opposite reaction. It was a higher score for me originally. And then the more I listened to it, the more I was like, and I, and here, I just, I just watched say anything. So I'm going to quote from saying anything you're bringing me down Lloyd. This, this is one of those <laughs> songs that just really brought me down. Um, and, and so I, I kind of gave it a lower score just because of that. And I guess also with the lyric, I'm assuming that she's being completely tongue in cheek with the lyric when she says something as simple as boys and girls, right? She's being tongue in cheek. Cause that's not a simple thing like at all. 
about when you were kids, when you were just little kids, that's the way it, it came across okay. to me was being just being children. It was so much simpler when we were just boy, we were just little boys and girls. Okay. Yeah. I think that some of this, just from the little bits I've heard her share of her childhood, um, and not that all of it is, but I think that she's really painting a picture of her childhood here. Um, she's spoken about having a bunch of siblings and a Catholic upbringing. Um, and not necessarily that her mother suffered from mental illness or any, you know, matriarch in her family, but also the line about when I was 18, I moved to Florida. I do know that she did spend some time here. Um, but this song for me, I kind of can't believe I didn't score it higher because this is the one, if I only come back to listen to this record and listen to one song, a lot of times it's this one. I don't know. There's something so like heartbreaking about it, but I don't know. I Now that I'm a mom too, and I think about like what the perception of life must be for a little boy, um, something so simple as a little boy, like the, the things that that imagery in this song, um, that, you know, it's almost as if your parents are these separate people that you can't even begin to figure out. But then as an adult, you can look back and go, oh, I, I have empathy for what that was for my mom or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I also just love the part of the song when she's saying that I live too many miles from the ocean and I'm getting older and odd. Like, it's just, you know, I, I think there are some really great lines in this song, but I do see that it could it could be all over the map a little bit. Yeah. I'm glad you guys took took the uh, baton from me and overanalyzed it for me. <laughs> so, so thank you. Thank you both. You're welcome. All right. Uh, let's get some scores. So uh, I alluded that uh, was not one of my favorites. However, I think it's just kind of the place that I'm in right now. I'm not in a dark place. I do like dark music. Um, Wayne can attest to that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I gave it a three, but it's a it's a three with an asterisk i mean we we have a lot of asterisk type songs where it's like even though it the the score may feel as though it's one of my least favorites it's it's still good it's still a good song it's just yeah it's not where i'm at right now so wayne how about you i i gave it a 10 like i say the tragic and nostalgic kind of imagery just uh it just the more i heard it the more i liked it okay and hannah it's a nine on mine. Okay. Excellent. All right, let's move on. This is One More Girl. You move your head across my knee. Turn me into some novelty. All right, so let's get back to the whole Americana sound. This is pretty Americana. And it's also kind of a scathing song about trying to make it in the music industry as a female. Is that valid? Yeah. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, and and I here here we go. This is this is my little uh, aside for for this song. So I made the mistake this week of listening to the New York Times podcast okay. right before I listened to this record again. And the episode I listened to was the one with the writers who broke the Ryan Adams story. Okay, yeah. And so after I listened to this song again, my notes included hashtag me too. <laughs> And hashtag screw Ryan Adams, but insert a different word for screw. Yes. And I'm not and I'm not going to censor myself because I only use the clown car horn on Wayne and not myself. <laughs> so, 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 so I'm not, so I'm not you I'm not going to get myself in trouble. But man, this is this is one of those songs where it's just as a father of a young woman, yeah. this is this is a heartbreaking song. Absolutely. I actually, that, and that is absolutely in my notes that says, uh, the father of three daughters. Uh, you just, when you hear this song, you realize how vulnerable they are in the world. And I mean, my daughters are grown, like the youngest one's 26, 29. They're, they're, they're all in, they're grownups and yeah. you still, and you're old. Yeah, I know. Well, actually, not as old as I should be. Uh, but no, when I, this absolutely, uh, that was the images that ran through my, my mind were my daughters and how, you know, how I'm lucky I am that they have, that, you know, nothing bad has happened to them and they're not in, you know, abusive relationships or held down, you know, in their career paths. Uh, it just, the song just reminded me of how vulnerable uh, all girls are, all, all women. Yeah. So let's hear it from the female perspective on this. Yeah. Because you, you are a female, you are trying to make it in the music industry. So how how much of this rings home? I mean, the whole thing, uh, I, I think um, the older I get, the more this really does matter to me, this song. Um, this one kind of wrecked me from the get-go when I first heard the record. And uh, judging by my score, it's also the one that means the most to me now. But I think an important point that she she gets the point across without um, sugarcoating anything, but also without using any cliche that I think is really so beautiful for someone like me who's obviously spending my evenings on a stage a lot of times and meeting a lot of people who are well-intentioned but don't treat me like a human. And it doesn't. it's not necessarily because they um, – victimize me or that I'm vulnerable in it, but that, um, that line about you just turned me into some novelty. Like there's not an element of humanity that's been offered to me at all times because of what I do for a living. Um, and so the way that she ties that into this thing of, it's not just that people victimize, you know, it's yes, that's a part of it. And there are things that I have to be on guard about all the time that I wish weren't true, but um, the line also too, where she says, I'm just someone's sister or someone's wife, like in some of the me too movement stuff that would really, uh, kind of cause some anger rise up was the evaluation of a woman only based on who she was to someone else, not just inside of her humanity as a solo entity, as a person. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I could, I could go on and on, but this song I think is the most, uh, timeless and meaningful song for me on the record. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, this is this this gets my highest rank, so I, I give this fourteen. Wayne, a uh, thirteen. Yeah, and it was fourteen for me. Yeah, 
Yep. Yep. Um, do we even need to go on? Cause that's, <laughs> that, that's going to be our number one song. Yeah. We still have four more to uh, talk about. So here is uh, number 11. This is sorry and sad. Who wants to get started on uh, sorry and sad? Uh, the only thing, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the song, but there's, it just feels like it, there should be a big hooky chorus coming up that never, <laughs> that never shows up. And I know that that's not really her thing so much, but it just, there was something about the song as I'm listening to it and it's, I'm, I'm right waiting for it to go into the, to the big chorus and it never did. I, I, here are my notes on this. I, I said, I'm waiting for you to say you're so vain. <laughs> that, there, see, this is the same thing. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Like the sorry and sad doesn't seem like a chorus to me, but that is the chorus. And so I'm waiting for her to start breaking out into, you know, a Carly Simon song. Um, any, anyone know who this is written about? Is it anyone that we know? That she she's feeling sorry about? I don't know. I don't think so. She's only had like one sort of public relationship ish. I don't even know if it was a full blown relationship, but that I know about anyway. Were we talking about Robert Plant? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was written before Robert Plant. Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. it was. So we know it's not about him. Darn it. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted something salacious. That's right. Oh. I get the lack of chorus thing on this song for sure. I mean, it's just essentially, it's not even sorry and sad as the chorus. It's just the word sad. Yeah. Uh, but um, I really love the production value of this song. And this song is one of the ones that like, that totally was Sheryl Crow vibe yeah. to me. Yeah, absolutely. I hear that. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's, so let's get some scores. Hannah. It's an eight. Wayne. Seven. And I gave it a five, so it's kind of mid, mid, middle of the pack here. All right, let's move on to number 12 song. This is Driving. originally kind of thought that this was a throwaway song you do have to listen past like the two minute mark i kind of dig the last 
last end of the song. Not enough to uh, get it out of one of my lower scores, however. But since I know what everybody's scores are, Wayne, you seem to like the score a little bit better than yeah. Anna this and was I did. this was like this was bluesy and had a you know that uh, kind of a whole Bonnie Raitt vibe going to it. And uh, I just got like I say, I was mesmerized. It's got a it's it's got a great hook, and I. I couldn't, I, I love the, that I couldn't tell whether she, I knew, I got the impression she was driving home, but that she really didn't want to. So I was like, there was this whole thing going on in there that I, I couldn't really put, figure out, you know, what kind of a relationship it was, but I just, it just captured my attention and I, and I, I love the, 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 the whole bluesiness of it all. Yeah. And I, I like the imagery of the music that's kind of speeding up towards the end. You know, she talks about how she's getting closer to the to the accident. And as soon as she gets past the accident, that's when you're kind of driving off fast. And that's where the the, the song really kind of picks up. For Did me. anybody get the feeling like she wanted the other the this the focus of her her song to be in the accident? I just I just got that. I don't know. Maybe it could have just been me. But I was listening to the song thinking there's just something about what she sang that like she wants that person to be in that accident. Ah. Ah, maybe I'm, maybe yeah. I'm overanalyzing it. Oh my gosh. You you're rubbing off up. on me. A bit you of bad influence. Yeah. You pulled a <laughs> long winded diatribe. <laughs> you pulled a Ben right there. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Hannah, anything you want to share on driving? I mean, I, I like the song, uh, but it, it's, it's one that at times, you know, probably would score higher, I, I guess. But I do like um, the fact that one way or another, it gets me home. I think that line is really great. Yeah, it just took it took too long for it to pick up for me, which is why I kind of gave it a lower score. So this is this is a two for me. Um, Wayne, how about you? Uh, Eleven. And then Hannah. It's a four. OK. All right, so we're we're all over the place on this one. <laughs> um, all right, uh, second to last song here is "Top of the World." And this is another song that was done by the Dixie Chicks. However, unlike Truth Number Two, I hadn't—I don't think I had heard this one before. And this is a slow burner. Um, kind of goes back to the the previous song. It does take a little little bit to to get into. Um, Hannah, you've seen Patty live. Does she does she play this song live? I did hear her play this song live. Did she close the 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 show with this um it was not the very end but it was towards the end okay um and she arranged it a little bit differently um she did this song and she did um her dr king tribute tune gotcha um 
either back to back or just with one song between them. It was a really tender moment of the show, but um, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so Wayne, I know that this is one of your lower scores. Um, how come? Uh, I, you know what? I think it's, it's the stop where it comes to a complete stop. I don't, I mean, cause there's many, ask, there's parts of the song that I really like, but then it, that whole coming to a complete stop thing, I, I, that, that distracted me. And I thought it was a touch cliche, which was, which maybe not compared to other artists, but I think because I really found her uh, refreshingly, uh, you know, her lyrics are, are not cliche. They're very, you know, heartfelt, but yet like we, like Hannah had said earlier, she's not beating people over the head, but she's also not sugarcoating it. And this one, I don't know. This one came off cliche. Okay. Had, had you heard the live version there? So there's a 2008 record that is a live set. Did you listen to that one at all? No. Um, there's also, the song is also recorded on her um, impossible dream record and it's a different arrangement on that one as well. So I'd, I'd recommend listening to it just so you could get a different feel. Yeah. So, so you now have homework. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I want you, I want you to listen to that and and see if that changes your scoring because it did for me. Um, all right, so let's get scores. I gave this a ten. Hannah, uh, it's thirteen in mine. Okay, and Whoa. then Wayne, I gave it a two. Uh, that... See, but I feel like I spoiled it because I've known this song way before I heard this record, and I've just like loved, loved, loved it for so long. But yeah, the arrangement on this particular record which i guess would probably have been the first time she actually recorded it uh it got better with age i will dig into that all right you got homework all right let's move on so this is last song of the record this is so long And again, since I know what everybody's scores are, um, let me let me tell you the reason why I scored this w- way higher than you guys. So have you, <laughs> have you ever gone to a show and they come out for an encore and they come back to the stage with just their acoustic guitars, acoustic instruments, they kind of pull the, the performance yes. way back, it's quiet, it's more subdued. Um, that's kind of the feel that I get on this particular song. It's the very last song on the record. I kind of feel like she was trying to go for that kind of, uh, kind of vibe. And because of that, I, I, I liked it. I liked the play on the words, the so long, um, you know, it's a, it's a later days type of type of song. So, so long buddy. Um, but I can also feel as though there's, there's, something more to that um as well so there we go i just overanalyzed again um so what's uh how come you guys gave this this was your least favorite 
favorite song uh, for both of you. Uh, what's uh, give me some rationale on that? Well, that chunky banjo grated on my last nerve, and it also sounded like it was recorded in a shed, <laughs> and not a good shed, like a not like a, a shed, bad yeah. shed, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, I think this song for me, uh, there have been times when I've, you know, listened to it, but the last few times that I listened through the record, I just didn't even listen through the whole thing. So maybe I didn't give it a fair shake, but, uh, I, I do feel like I, in my notes, I put, I always feel like I'm sitting on a bench in an Irish pub and like, this is your, you know, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always, this is like your blessing as you go. Okay. Um, and that's fine. I think that's great, but it just, as far as the rest of the tracks go. It's just a little folky ditty, you know? So you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Get out, <laughs> Get out of the pub so long. That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I gave this a nine. I already said that you guys, this was your lowest, uh, lowest score. So we're, we were definitely on opposition here. Any, anyone want to venture a guess of what our favorite song was? Um, I think it was one more girl. Yeah, one more girl. But yeah, no, no, uh, no surprise there. How about number two? Uh, Silver Bell. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, number three was Truth. Number two, and number four was Little God. And rounding out our top five, Top of the World. And it that would have gotten higher, but Wayne, <laughs> Wayne completely sank. <laughs> yep, shanked it. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right. <laughs> all right so so where does this record stack up among the various patty griffin albums i think we've kind of alluded to that but you know she's she's recorded a lot in fact she's got a new album coming out if i if it just it came just out. came out okay mm-hmm. i saw the single was out a couple weeks ago um yeah and so where where does this stack up is this is this her her monument um so far um, in my life, her monument is still living with ghosts, which I love her discography. I'm telling you, I'm her possibly biggest fan on the planet. <laughs> but the one that I, I return to most often is still that first, you know, late 90s record of hers. Okay. Um, I really love the the downtown church record that she made with Buddy Miller. Um it's got a lot of cover tunes on it, but I, I think the few songs that she wrote for that kind of gospel record were really great. Um, I will have to check that one out. That was one I did not listen to just because of the, it, there was some covers on that. So I was trying to trying yeah. to stay with the originals. Yeah. All right. Did So did we cover it? I think we okay. did. Oh yeah. All right. So uh, let's, let's wrap this up. So uh, last question, and I'm lifting this question from Peter who does the Scotch and Good Conversation podcast. Actually, okay. has Peter had you or Thomas on his podcast yet? Thomas Thomas has been on. I have not been on. All right. He's he's a lot of fun. He told me it was okay to use this question because he thought that he borrowed it from some uh, someone else. Um, <laughs> okay. So who do you know that I don't know who would want to join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Ooh, um, Jordan Foley. Jordan Foley. Okay. Who is Jordan Foley? Jordan Foley is a singer-songwriter in Orlando. Okay. Um, he put out a record, I think, last year. Um, and he and I actually both just did episodes of the Marinade podcast. Okay. 
and he he's a good friend. He's a hard worker, and uh, I think that he'd probably pick a mighty fine record for you all to go through. How have I missed Jordan awesome. Foley? Um, I don't know. What rock have you been hiding under? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, you know that's the that's the beautiful thing about music is that it's far far reaching. Yeah, there's plenty of people we've never heard of. Right. So I've got I've got Simon from the Wooly Bushman coming on. What? Next, oh, that'll next be fun. Week, I think it is. So looking forward to that. I had just had Michael MacArthur on, um, and that was yeah. fantastic. He is really great. I, I really love his his last album. So. And, yeah. and I think we'll probably, um, I haven't reached out to the 502s because they're kind of in it right now, trying to promote their mm-hmm. record. So we'll, uh, we might be reaching out to them as well. And you do a lot, you do a lot of stuff with um, the Volts as well, right? Yeah, I'm actually doing a thing with Kevin April 2nd uh, at Little Indies. They're starting a new uh, residency where they're going to have a local singer songwriter musician come in and share the night with them so i'm doing that with them kevin is a a stellar guitar player singer songwriter good guy saw them open for thomas and the guys uh, a couple months ago so that was good yeah yeah good time all right and i and i did throw out the idea to olivia as i launched this podcast back in november that i i wanted to talk to 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 her and and thomas as well so I'll let them wait until the next record drops and then we'll, you know, we'll get them on to do a little promotion work. Awesome. And, uh, Wade Waste Deep song in the entire record. Fantastic. Gotten a lot of spins from me. I'm still playing it in my car too. All right. (laughs) So there, there was, uh, there was one song that made the 2018 list for, for me. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. All right. So, Hannah, tell us where people can find you. They can buy your record. They can see where your tour dates are, et cetera. Yes. All of that happens over at hannaharber.com. H A R B E R. Uh, I also am pretty active on Instagram and decent about Facebook. Um, and yeah, all the dates are posted there and I would love for people to listen to the record. It's on all the streaming platforms and you can buy it anywhere. Digital music is sold and a few places around Orlando. And they have the endorsement of Records Revisited as well. That's right. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been a pleasure revisiting with you. Let's wrap this up. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited. And we are out. Out.